0: Hello, and welcome to the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast. Each episode is a section from a classic, comforting Jane Austen novel with relaxing music to help you fall asleep. If you like the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. If you have comments or suggestions for the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please leave a review with your thoughts. There are a few ways to do this. On Spotify, leave a comment in the episode's Q&A under the question, what did you think about this episode? And on Apple Podcasts, write a review for the show. We do read every review and comment and want to make sure this podcast helps you get a good night's sleep. And finally, please follow Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. We post about upcoming episodes, Fun facts from the world of Jane Austen and tips to help you get a good night's sleep. Again, it's Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. Thank you for joining us this evening.
1: Now it's time to relax. Let your body fall into a comfortable position in your bed and drift gently into a state of total. Relaxation with tonight's story Pride and Prejudice Chapter 43 Part 2 When all of the house that was open to general inspection had been seen, they returned downstairs and taking leave of the housekeeper were consigned over to the gardener who met them at the hall door. As they walked across the hall towards the river, Elizabeth turned back to look again. Her uncle and aunt stopped also, and while the former was conjecturing as to the date of the building, the owner of it himself suddenly came forward from the road, which led behind it to the stables. They were within twenty yards of each other, and so abrupt was his appearance that it was impossible to avoid his sight. Their eyes instantly met, and the cheeks of both were overspread with the deepest blush. He absolutely started, and for a moment seemed immovable from surprise, but shortly recovering himself, advanced towards the party, and spoke to Elizabeth, if not in terms of perfect composure, at least of perfect civility. She had instinctively turned away, but stopping on his approach, received his compliments with an embarrassment impossible to be overcome. Had his first appearance, or his resemblance to the picture they had just been examining, been insufficient to assure the other two that they now saw Mr. Darcy, the gardener's expression of surprise on beholding his master, must immediately have told it. They stood a little aloof while he was talking to their niece, who, astonished and confused, Scarcely dared lift her eyes to his face, and knew not what answer she returned to his civil inquiries after her family. Amazed at the alteration of his manner since they last parted, every sentence that he uttered was increasing her embarrassment. And every idea of the impropriety of her being found there, recurring to her mind. The few minutes in which they continued were some of the most uncomfortable in her life. Nor did he seem much more at ease. When he spoke... His accent had none of its usual sedateness, and he repeated his inquiries as to the time of her having left Longbourn, and of her stay in Derbyshire, so often, and in so hurried a way, as plainly spoke the distraction of his thoughts. At length, every idea seemed to fail him and, after standing a few moments without saying a word, he suddenly recollected himself and took leave. The others then joined her and expressed admiration of his figure, but Elizabeth heard not a word and wholly engrossed by her own feelings, followed them in silence. She was overpowered by shame and vexation. Her coming there was the most unfortunate, the most ill-judged thing in the world. How strange it must appear to him. In what a disgraceful light might it not strike so vain a man. It might seem as if she had purposely thrown herself in his way again. Oh, why did she come? Or, why did he thus come a day before he was expected? Had they been only ten minutes sooner, They should have been beyond the reach of his discrimination, for it was plain that he was that moment arrived, that moment alighted from his horse or his carriage. She blushed again and again over the perverseness of the meeting. And his behavior, so strikingly altered, what could it mean? That he should even speak to her was amazing. But to speak with such civility, to inquire after her family... Never in her life had she seen his manners so little dignified. Never had he spoken with such gentleness as on this unexpected meeting. What a contrast did it offer to his last address in Rosings Park, where he put his letter into her hand, She knew not what to think, or how to account for it. They had now entered a beautiful walk by the side of the water, and every step was bringing forward a nobler fall of ground, or a finer reach of the woods to which they were approaching. But it was some time before Elizabeth was sensible of any of it. And though she answered mechanically to the repeated appeals of her uncle and aunt, and seemed to direct her eyes to such objects as they pointed out, she distinguished no part of the scene. Her thoughts were all fixed on that one spot of Pemberley House, whichever it might be, where Mr. Darcy then was. She longed to know what at the moment was passing in his mind, in what manner he thought of her, and whether in defiance of everything, she was still dear to him. Perhaps he had been civil only because he felt himself at ease. Yet, there had been that in his voice which was not like ease. Whether he had felt more of pain Or of pleasure in seeing her, she could not tell, but he certainly had not seen her with composure. At length, however, the remarks of her companions on her absence of mind aroused her and she felt the necessity of appearing more like herself. They entered the woods, and bidding adieu to the river for a while, ascended some of the higher grounds, when, in spots where the opening of the trees gave the eye power to wander, were many charming views of the valley, the opposite hills, with the long range of woods overspreading many, and occasionally part of the stream. Mr. Gardner expressed a wish of going round the whole park, but feared it might be beyond a walk. With a triumphant smile, they were told that it was 10 miles round. It settled the matter, and they pursued the accustomed circuit, which brought them again, after some time, in a descent among hanging woods, to the edge of the water and one of its narrowest parts. They crossed it by a simple bridge, in character with the general air of the scene. It was a spot less adorned than any they had yet visited. And the valley, here contracted into a glen, allowed room only for the stream and a narrow walk amidst the rough coppice wood which bordered it. Elizabeth longed to explore its windings, but when they had crossed the bridge and perceived their distance from the house, Mrs. Gardner, who was not a great walker, could go no farther, and thought only of returning to the carriage as quickly as possible. Her niece was, therefore, obliged to submit, and they took their way towards the house on the opposite side of the river, in the nearest direction. But their progress was slow, for Mr. Gardner, though seldom able to indulge the taste, was very fond of fishing, and was so much engaged in watching the occasional appearance of some trout in the water, and talking to the man about them, that he advanced but little. Whilst wandering on in this slow manner, they were again surprised, and Elizabeth's astonishment was quite equal to what it had been at first by the sight of Mr. Darcy approaching them, and at no great distance. The walk being here less sheltered than on the other side, allowed them to see him before they met. Elizabeth, however astonished, was at least more prepared for an interview than before, and resolved to appear and speak with calmness if he really intended to meet them. For a few moments, indeed, she felt that he would probably strike into some other path. The idea lasted while a turning in the walk concealed him from their view. The turning passed he was immediately before them. With a glance, she saw that he had lost none of his recent civility and, to imitate his politeness, she began, as they met, to admire the beauty of the place. But she had not got beyond the words Delightful and charming when some unlucky recollections obtruded and she fancied that praise of Pemberley from her might be mischievously construed. Her color changed and she said no more. Mrs. Gardner was standing a little behind, and on her pausing, he asked her if she would do him the honor of introducing him to her friends. This was a stroke of civility, for which she was quite unprepared and she could hardly suppress a smile at his being now seeking the acquaintance of some of those very people against whom his pride had revolted in his offer to herself. What will be his surprise, thought she, when he knows who they are, he takes them now for people of fashion. The introduction, however, was immediately made, and as she named their relationship to herself, she stole a sly look at him to see how he bore it and was not without the expectation of his decamping as fast as he could from such disgraceful companions. That he was surprised by the connection was evident. He sustained it, however, with fortitude, and so far from going away turned back with them, and entered into conversation with Mr. Gardner. Elizabeth could not but be pleased, could not but triumph. It was consoling that he should know she had some relations for whom there was no need to blush She listened most attentively to all that passed between them, and gloried in every expression, every sentence of her uncle, which marked his intelligence, his taste, or his good manners. The conversation soon turned upon fishing, and she heard Mr. Darcy invite him, with the greatest civility, to fish there as often as he chose while he continued in the neighborhood, offering at the same time to supply him with fishing tackle and pointing out those parts of the stream where there was usually most sport. Mrs. Gardner, who was walking arm-in-arm with Elizabeth, gave her a look expressive of wonder. Elizabeth said nothing, but it gratified her exceedingly. The compliment must be all for herself. Her astonishment, however, was extreme, and continually was she repeating Why is he so altered? From what can it proceed? It cannot be for me. It cannot be for my sake that his manners are thus softened. My reproofs at Huntsford could not work such a change as this. It is impossible that he should still love me. After walking some time in this way, the two ladies in front, the two gentlemen behind, on resuming their places, after descending to the brink of the river for better inspection of some curious water plant, there chance to be a little alteration. It originated in Mrs. Gardner, who… Fatigued by the exercise of the morning, found Elizabeth's arm inadequate to her support, and consequently preferred her husband's. Mr. Darcy took her place by her niece, and they walked on together. After a short silence, the lady first spoke. She wished him to know that she had been assured of his absence before she came to the place, and accordingly began by observing that his arrival had been very unexpected. For your housekeeper, she added, informed us that you would certainly not be here till tomorrow, and indeed, Before we left Bakewell, we understood that you were not immediately expected in the country." He acknowledged the truth of it all, and said that business with his steward had occasioned his coming forward a few hours before the rest of the party with whom he had been traveling. They will join me early tomorrow, he continued. And among them are some who will claim an acquaintance with you Mr. Bingley and his sisters. Elizabeth answered only by a slight bow. Her thoughts were instantly driven back to the time when Mr. Bingley's name had been the last mentioned between them. And, if she might judge by his complexion, his mind was not very differently engaged. There is also one other person in the party," he continued after a pause, who more particularly wishes to be known to you. Will you allow me, or do I ask too much, to introduce my sister to your acquaintance during your stay at Lambton? The surprise of such an application was great indeed. It was too great for her to know in what manner she acceded to it. She immediately felt that whatever desire Miss Darcy might have of being acquainted with her must be the work of her brother. And without looking farther, It was satisfactory, it was gratifying to know that his resentment had not made him think really ill of her. They now walked on in silence, each of them deep in thought. Elizabeth was not comfortable. That was impossible, but she was flattered and pleased. His wish of introducing his sister to her was a compliment of the highest kind. They soon outstripped the others, and when they had reached the carriage, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner, were half a quarter of a mile behind. He then asked her to walk into the house, but she declared herself not tired, and they stood together on the lawn. At such a time, much might have been said and silence was very awkward. She wanted to talk, but there seemed to be an embargo on every subject. At last, she recollected that she had been traveling, and they talked of Matlock and Dovedale with great perseverance. Yet time, and her aunt, moved slowly, and her patience and her ideas were nearly worn out before the tete-a-tete was over. On Mr. and Mrs. Gardner's coming up, They were all pressed to go into the house and take some refreshment, but this was declined, and they parted on each side with utmost politeness. Mr. Darcy handed the ladies into the carriage, and when it drove off, Elizabeth saw him walking slowly towards the house. The observations of her uncle and aunt now began, and each of them pronounced him to be infinitely superior to anything they had expected. "'He is perfectly well-behaved, polite, and unassuming,' said her uncle." There is something a little stately in him, to be sure, replied her aunt, but it is confined to his air and is not unbecoming. I can now say with a housekeeper that though some people may call him proud, I have seen nothing of it. I was never more surprised than by his behavior to us. It was more than civil. It was really attentive, and there was no necessity for such attention. His acquaintance with Elizabeth was very trifling. To be sure, Lizzie, said her aunt. He is not so handsome as Wickham, or rather, he has not Wickham's countenance, for his features are perfectly good. But how came you to tell me that he was so disagreeable? Elizabeth excused herself as well as she could said that she had liked him better when they had met in Kent than before and that she had never seen him so pleasant as this morning. But perhaps he may be a little whimsical in his civilities, replied her uncle. Your great men often are and therefore I shall not take him at his word, as he might change his mind another day and warn me off his grounds. Elizabeth felt that they had entirely misunderstood his character, but said nothing. From what we have seen of him, continued Mrs. Gardner, I really should not have thought that he could have behaved in so cruel a way by anybody as he is done by poor Wickham. He has not an ill-natured look. On the contrary. There is something pleasing about his mouth when he speaks. And there is something of dignity in his countenance that would not give one an unfavorable idea of his heart. But, to be sure, the good lady who showed us his house did give him a most flaming character. I could hardly help laughing aloud sometimes. But he is a liberal master, I suppose, and that, in the eye of a servant, comprehends every virtue. ELIZABETH HERE felt herself called on to say something in vindication of his behavior to Wickham, and therefore gave them to understand, in as guarded a manner as she could, that by what she had heard from his relations in Kent, his actions were capable of a very different construction. And that his character was by no means so faulty, nor Wickham so amiable, as they had been considered in Hertfordshire. In confirmation of this, she related the particulars of all the pecuniary transactions in which they had been connected without actually naming her authority, but stating it to be such as might be relied on. Mrs. Gardner was surprised and concerned, but as they were now approaching the scene of her former pleasures, Every idea gave way to the charm of recollection, and she was too much engaged in pointing out to her husband all the interesting spots in its environs to think of anything else. Fatigued as she had been by the morning's walk, they had no sooner dined Then she set off again in quest of her former acquaintance, and the evening was spent in the satisfactions of an intercourse renewed after many years' discontinuance. The occurrences of the day were too full of interest leave Elizabeth much attention for any of these new friends, and she could do nothing but think, and think with wonder, of Mr. Darcy's civility, and, above all, of his wishing her to be acquainted with his sister.